Good morning, everyone. If I use this kind of volume, will you all be able to hear with? Yes. That's going to be fine? Yeah? Okay. Uh, I think all of you know me. I'm T.G. Hunt, and I am a financial advisor with Ameriprise. And uh, one of the things that I had to learn early on was the paradigm that financial advisors work out of. And it's called a fiduciary responsibility. Have you heard of the term? It's such a $25 term, you know. I, I, yeah, yeah. Just about everybody in the financial world, uh, that's the standard by which we have to operate. And that typically means that you put the other person's values, needs, and goals ahead of your own. Even to the extent that if you recommend something and uh, you don't make any money from it, that's okay because you're meeting that person's needs. Uh, well, in the financial world, there are times that arise where not only do I not make any money, but it costs me money besides. But I did the right thing because that's what the client needed. That is a fiduciary responsibility. That's the paradigm that we work from. There are blessings that come from that in terms of commissions or uh, relationships and friendships. Uh, I've been in the business 26 years. My average client has been with me 20 years. They're more than clients. They're friends. One of the difficulties I will have when I retire, if I ever do, <laughs> is, is uh, giving up all those friendships. Uh, that's just going to be rougher and rough. Um, so there's blessings that come with it, but also uh, I've never had a complaint registered against me, so my track record is squeaky clean, because there are consequences if you do not follow the fiduciary rule. Blessings or consequences. I know a number of you enjoy C.S. Lewis and the books that he has written. Uh, the book that I'm referring to this morning is was called The Abolition of Man. How many may have read that? A couple of you? Oh, several. Wonderful. Four, four of you. Wonderful. Well, you know, it was hard for me to grapple with at first because he talked about the mannishness. That was a pretty good, pretty long word. The mannishness of man. M-A-N-I-S-H-N-E-S-S, -S, mannishness. And I believe that was, you know, there, I've read a lot of his books, maybe all of his books, but maybe that is the paradigm that C.S. Lewis had when it came to explaining uh, the predicament that men are in and women, that the human, human race is in, because of sin. And so there were uh, a couple of things that he would talk about that as we drew close to God or as we made commitments to Jesus Christ that the mannishness in us increased. We became more of a man than what we had been when we did not know Christ. But on the other hand, if we fell into darkness and sin, and you know, in the scripture talks about a reprobate mind, that God finally gave him over to a reprobate mind, 
because there was so much so much so that I think C.S. Lewis, Lewis would say that they lost their mannishness altogether and became animal-ish. Animal with an I-S-H on it to use his, but he never used that term. I'm, I'm, I'm inventing that term because I think that's what he would have called it if he had been pressed for that. But that was his paradigm. And in that paradigm, there are blessings and there are consequences because a paradigm, now some people will say a paradigm is a model. Uh, and I could disagree more with that. I don't think it's a model. I think a paradigm is far uh, more important than that. And I'm asking you this, this morning to consider what your paradigm is based on what scriptures, incorporating what values. And at the end of my little uh, speech, I'm going to be asking for participation from you to share which scriptures and what values make up your paradigm that help you make the decisions that you need to make? Okay? Um, but I think that was what C.S. Lewis did. As a financial advisor, I never know what I'm going to run into. Um, just several weeks ago, I had a person come in, and uh, they were just off the street, and they wanted to buy shares of a marijuana company. And would I be be willing to be their advisor and do that. Well, he wasn't a client, and so I declined. I wasn't going to do something like, like that. But you never know what you're going to run into. And I think that uh, doing the right thing for somebody else comes close to what we do as Christian brothers. I think it would only be fair that I would share with you uh, several of my scriptures that I hold near and dear and probably are the fiduciary or the uh, paradigm out of which I make my decisions on uh, as I live out uh, our lives. Uh, one is John 3:16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, you know the verse, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. You know the verse, right? Uh, and that is a part of my paradigm because I believe that the Lord has laid on my heart uh, more than anything within the church that is to be an evangelist, to be a soul winner. Now, I've never kept track of how many people I've had the privilege to pray with that have accepted the Lord, but I'm, I'm guessing maybe 200, 300 people. And I, I, it's, it, so that's why John 3, 16, 17 has, is a precious part of, of my paradigm. Ten Commandments, precious part. Uh, and then when Jesus said, you know, what's the greatest commandments? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that loving your neighbor as yourself, that comes real close to the fiduciary responsibility I've carried for 26 years as a as a financial advisor. And out of those, um, out of your faith, now I, I really quite, I, I can't handle it very well when I hear a speaker, uh, because we have different speakers in Ameriprise, uh, and they talk about their uh, paradigm, but as if it was not grounded in some kind of faith. 
Uh, and I think that the faith that most of them speak from is the belief in capitalism. See, and, and I don't have any problem with that. But I do have a problem if they just talk about their values without going any deeper, because I think we need to go deeper. Uh, I, I think that a, uh, a paradigm doesn't make a whole lot of sense if it isn't grounded in faith. What are the roots? What are the assumptions that you make about life? Do we make the assumption that we're all sinners, that we needed to be saved by grace? See, and I think as Christian, that's one of our basic assumptions that has to be a part of the paradigm out of which we make our, our decisions. Okay? Questions so far? Because then I'm going to start asking you. I, I'd like to have you share a script. Oh, and there's one more I should share, too. Uh, and that's in Ephesians, where uh, we are not to allow ourselves to be offended. It's in the first three or four verses of chapter 4 of Ephesians. Not to allow ourselves to be offended. And, and I try to hold that near and dear because there could be lots of times I could allow myself to be offended. I could be offended and angry and everything. But rather, I think it's important for us to be men of forgiveness. That forgiveness is the dominant thing in our lives so that if we have been offended, we're quick to, pardon me, that we're quick to forgive. So that's kind of where I am, and I make my decisions out of that. I have raised a family out of that. Uh, I can remember telling Tiffany and Natasha, and I, you don't know Natasha, but she's our, our middle daughter. She's an ophthalmologist out in the uh, Washington, D.C. area. But Natasha was always tall for her age, and Tiffany was always short for her age. So the two girls looked, they looked a lot alike, and they were about the same height, and they could wear each other's clothes, of course, right? So there were times that the girls fought over who was going to wear those jeans or that dress or whatever, but they would fight over clothes. And I remember telling them and asking them, because it came out of my paradigm, but I would ask them, what is it going to matter in a hundred years as to who wore that dress or pair of jeans? Because what was I trying to do? I was trying to point them to the things that were eternal, not just the things that were temporal. And so it was a way to train the, the kids early on. And of course then, they both, the older girls thought, because Rachel was uh, seven years younger than Natasha and nine years younger than Tiffany, that Rachel had it as a breeze, that she went through all of that thing. And, and being the baby of the family, they think that we babied her. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, the, the typical thing. Uh, but I think Rachel missed out on something, that she didn't have that rivalry with the two older sisters. The two older sisters were more like moms to her than little mommies, than uh, uh, sisters. Okay, what scripture verses do you hang your hat on? And what does that say about your faith? 
and how so there's so and how does that help you make the decisions that you make for your family or at work or what's important to you who would like to volunteer first well Dale looks like you're ready to volunteer <laughs> <coughs> Well, as you know, uh, well, that we've been through a lot of personal uh, tragedies here recently. Um, and one of the scriptures, and I realize it's not exactly equivalent to it, um, because the Apostle Paul went through uh, so many worse things probably than I and my wife have gone through. But he did say in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And crisis than my strength in that period of time but that in a way that, that affects me personally but as far as my relationship with other people and with my children it's always been um, it's always been I love love God with all your heart soul mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself because uh, we all have this part of us that has a need for God we're all sinners saved by grace if we're saved and, and that's how I approach meeting people and talking to people, too, is because I know what God's given me, and, and that translates into my desire to try to give that to them. Yeah. Should we pass the mic around? When no. Did you hear Dale? Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay, that's fine then. All right. Yeah, and thanks, Dale. And I know that you've had a lot of hardships, uh, lost your son, uh, so I appreciate you sharing. Anyone else? Someone else? Yeah, Pastor Ron. You know, I, for a lot of years, I, I would tell you that I went through, it was Romans 12, 12, where it says, be joyful with hope, patience, and affliction, and faithful to prayer. And I would always try to measure any action, reaction, or response to that. Is this, is this a demonstration of this being joyful with hope, or is this a demonstration of patience? Um, and that for for a lot of years, and I still I still fall back on that. But the probably the the verse that drives me the most now, and which this should be no surprise to this group, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1:27, right? And, and it's I, I tell people I feel like a crazy man at times, in that in every situation, in every event, in every conversation, relationship, it's constantly going through my mind, Lord, you through me, you through me, you through me. It, it's got to be Him. Um, doing the doing, and you know everything I try to preach on Sundays um, is is what I deal with all week long. Is this try walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh, and, and that's allowing Christ to do that. So that would be a verse that drives my action, mm-hmm. my behavior, my 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 choice. Has there been a major decision that you've made recently because of that? No, you know, um, you know, I, we all had big decisions and stuff. It's a good question. I, I, I think there's a greater emphasis on it now, and I don't know if you've even, if you've all have taken note, but I've seen, I've seen God. He's wanting me to proclaim that in a greater way, and and, it, and I, you know, I always find what I call life in any section of the scriptures. I try to. I, I, I'm looking for life, is what I tell people. You know, within the context of the scripture that's being taught, and it's, it seems like maybe he's giving me a better insight into that lately, and or at least asking me to emphasize that in a greater way. That that would be the 
the only answer I would have to that. But no, we haven't had any major decisions, Marilee and I, as of late, you know, to become a pastor, but that was 20, that was 15 years ago, right? So that's 16 years ago. That was a, was a major decision, but other than that, we haven't had any. Okay. Well, thank you. In addition to, I mean, there's there's so many to the ones that have already been spoken. Um, for me, it's the fruits of the spirits in Galatians. Um, there's nine characteristics there that are my go-tos, you know, and 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 how am I doing with it? Uh, in fact, we for Bible study we had the fruit of the month club, uh, where that was part of, in addition to, you know, the, the sermon series, the fruit of the month club was, well, what's the fruit this time, you know? And it was a great chance for us to reflect and see about, well, how am I applying this in my life? But then when it comes to day in and day, and they really are day in and day out decision makers, you know, love, joy, peace, patience. Yeah. I mean, sure. how am I doing with these things when I'm in the lunchroom and kids are throwing food and... <laughs> There's this inner sense of me, drill sergeant, that wants to rectify it. Let me put it that way. And uh, no, I don't always follow the principles, rules on that. Uh, yes, there are some children on the floor picking up the food that they have thrown. Uh, but I have to sometimes go back to that. Well, how am I doing that? And, and that helps guide me because I, I just think they're solid uh, uh, ways forward to look and you can plug them into so many situations um, so mm -hmm. for me that's kind of my what I what I go to for for a lot of focus yeah. see I think your Christian focus or perspective comes into play has to should come into play on anything and everything that we are are doing someone else sure Jared. Yeah, uh, Proverbs uh, 3, 5, 5 through 7. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he'll make your paths straight. Um, that's just kind of a life verse in terms of constantly, where, where should my heart be? Where should my relationship be in God? Where should my, how should my paradigm look? What should be my focus, my perspective on life? Um, you know, trusting in God ultimately is where salvation comes from, just trusting in Jesus. And that, that lays the foundation for everything else. It's based on a relationship. It's based on trust. Regardless of the circumstances and everything else that you think you know, think you understand, you don't. God knows. He sees all of time, and he knows everything. He knows everything about, about me and about everybody else. And through that and knowing the nature and character of God, trusting in him gives you, gives you a sense of peace. <clears throat> Very good, thank you. Someone else? I guess I, I go back to the same verse kind of Dale has, Philippians 4.13. Um, I can do the whole thing through Christ which strengthens me. I actually have that on my computer at work and, and my personal computer because it just reminds me each day when I open up that computer that I, he gives me the strength to get through the day, no matter if it's a business decision or a personal decision. He's always there, and he's always able to give me strength through there. And I also go back to uh, Romans 1, uh, verse 2, where not to be conformed to the world, too, to always keep that in mind, that don't get caught up in the world stuff, but uh, be conformed with Christ. Okay. 
Very good, thank you. Seems like we've had quite a few suicides lately. Um, how does your, what, what does your paradigm say? How could you help? What would we do? If someone comes to you and they're talking about taking their life, Anyone? I guess the verse for uh, me where my wife and I have decided to name our child as a reminder. So the book of Isaiah 26.3 is you will keep him in perfect peace, him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And that idea that the relationship part with God is when our trust is in him peace is what he gives us back and, and he is far more faithful than we are um, so that that idea yeah. that uh, when, when we keep that that there is reward that there are things we get from God um, and, and peace is uh, that one so we would keep that as a reminder mm -hmm. I think it may have been three four weeks ago <clears throat> that I heard Pastor Ron talking about uh, God is more concerned about my faith than what I am concerned. And that really ministered to me, that strengthened me. Um, all of us are going to die at some point, right? We know that. And those of us that are older... And I might be the oldest one. Well, maybe Larry is older than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I'm one of the oldest ones in the room. And, and so um, as I have gotten older, I have also become more aware of the need to have my faith strengthened on a regular basis. And that the need to be in church and going to church is is that much more important. It strengthens me, it helps me, um, because I want to be living in faith, even in my old age, and in my older age yet to come, I want to be living and walking in faith and trusting. So the, the, one of the questions, and the last question I'll ask for you is, is as you get older, as maybe you're gonna be ministering to me now when you give this answer, <coughs> But as you get older, what part of your paradigm would you share with the older people? The verse I hold on to is Philippians 1.21. Christ in me is to live, to die is gain. And as we, I'm not the oldest, <laughs> as we age, means so much more to me that while I'm here on earth I live for Christ and death is inevitable unless the Lord returns and the good news about death is it's better I'm not going to speed up the process but I'm going to live for Christ while I'm here and when I die, God promises me that it's better. It's gain. 
sometimes I'm surprised for me. I don't mean to be the last speaker here. I'm asking you to think, continue to think about uh, what you might share uh, with people who are older that would strengthen them in their walk. Um, it was good to meet Harry's son this morning. Uh, and I, I think uh, I always admired Harry for being on top of things and being positive and, and walking in faith. Um, uh, I've done a little bit of reading in the Old Testament uh, lately, and um, something that you're, you're referring to strengthening someone in the faith who's in the faith. Is that, is that, am I understanding that? Um, I read Joash and Solomon. Moses did so well in the beginning, but they didn't finish well. Yeah. And I would, I would just try to be an encourager to, it, it's not the time for giving up, it's time for being stronger and to finish well and a reminder that God's faithful and uh, not to, as we've said recently, um, not to be like one of those in the wilderness that, well, you know, they, they did go through the Red Sea, but three days later they were complaining about having no water, you know. I, mean, I, um, I, I just encourage them to finish well. That would be the, that'd be the thing that I would try to encourage. My father-in-law was a Methodist pastor. And one of the things that was near and dear to him was that he wanted to run the good race, fight the good fight, and finish the course. Yes. That was really important to him. And, uh, and he was in a situation where he had Lou Gehrig's disease, and so it was a long time in his dying. You know what I mean by that? Anybody I need to explain anything more of that? Because gradually he lost... Um, it was called amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or Lou Gehrig's disease. But the nerves in his feet and fingers and hands died first, and then it came up towards the trunk of his body. And when it finally got to the point where he couldn't uh, uh, digest food anymore, uh, he just literally scar starved and became a skeleton. But all the way through that, you know, he was... Uh, hand on hand, to run the good race, fight the good fight, and finish the course. Uh, so I think that I think, think that's a very good verse, too. Anyone else? Well, Pastor Ron. One of the best uh, resources I've ever come across for ministering to a senior saint, you know, somebody that isn't of the faith, is, is a book by Billy Graham called Nearing Home. Just a thin little book. But in it, he, he kind of dives into Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where he talks about... Uh, Solomon writes about the difficult days, and, and it, the whole thing is about as we old, as we get older, as these, that you, what you talked about, Lou Gehrig's disease is a real ultimate example of that. But just even as our grinders start to fade, and our eyes and our ears, and he says to expect that, you know, to have an expectation that they are going to be difficult days. And I, you know, when you have when you have a an expectation, when you have an a, an unmet expectation, it always leads to a frustration or a uh, you know, uh, an angst, and yet it was just a really good source as far as trying to help somebody to think this is normal. I'm getting older. It's okay. And as Kevin said, at the end of this, it's a, it's a, 
it's a good thing. I, I remember when my friend Steve Balsley, who didn't didn't get to live to be an old man, um, when he was dying, he says, "Why do we hang on to this so much? Why do we why do we fight so hard to stay here when we know where we're going?" It was near the end of his. <clears throat> That's a good question to ask. Because yeah. I think we all tend to fight really hard to stay here, even though we know we, where we're going. Amen. I do. Yeah. That goes back to the relationships. Why do we fight? Because we develop relationships. Yeah. We don't want to leave them. That's very good. Uh, Pastor Ron, would you mind closing with prayer? Sure. Well, Father, we... First of all, Lord, we, we, we thank you and praise you, God, uh, that we uh, that you're our God, that you're in control, that you're a good God, you're a God that loves us, as, as this, all the scriptures that uh, we've talked about point to. Lord, I thank you that you are a God that gives us strength. I, I, I am thankful, Father, we are thankful that you are a God that allows us to live in a way of love and joy and peace and patience and all of the ways, all of the fruit that we only have with your spirit living through us. We thank you, God, that you're a God that uh, loves us in the way that you have, that you've sent your only son. I thank you for these men, Lord. I thank you for this church and uh, what, how you've blessed us abundantly already, and, and I pray that you continue to do so. I know that these men pray that for their homes as well, Lord, that you would just bless them immeasurably more than they could think or imagine in the areas of provision and protection and, and, and meeting needs around health and all the other things that we we struggle with as men and husbands uh, and dads. And uh, Lord, I just I just thank you for them, and I thank you that you're you're in our lives. I do thank you for Cal and his leadership here. I thank you for TJ and his teaching. And I pray, Father, that as we go now, Lord, you that you would just go before us, and we'll see what you you unfold in front of us, and we'll trust you in all of it. In Jesus' name.